How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. More Twins talk coming up at about 7.35 tonight. Doe Young Park will join us. He covers the Twins for MLB.com. Joe Ryan, opening day starter, one week from today at Target Field. And let's take a look at the forecast. At the moment, for next Thursday, cloudy 46, but it's still early. So we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed on all of that. You're saying there's chance day. for snow flurries then, is what you're saying? Well, it, it's early. Mm. Okay. You, you know how that goes. Uh, you don't like the weather? Wait five minutes, it'll change. Yeah, yeah, a- Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it has been a tough winter, but but think about it this way: even if it's cloudy in forty six, that that's a a huge improvement over what we saw all of January, all of February, oh, yeah. and most of March. Hey, well, see, and my wife doesn't think that it's been that bad. To me, I'm like. Oh, this is awful. She's like, really? It hasn't even been that bad. And I'm like, is she from Alberta? Well, or no, originally Manitoba. She, originally, she's from Missouri. Oh, but okay. I mean, she'd been here en- enough. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, there've been years where it's been, you know, like colder. But I'm like, yeah, those have been like colder, but they've been like smaller stretches. It's like this is like the slap in the face that won't stop. You know, this is yeah. like putting Will Smith on repeat, and you know, to your face with the weather. It's like smack, 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 smack. I'm like, enough being smacked. I want to be kissed. I want the sun to come down and kiss us and be warm. I don't want, you know, I don't want this this just brutal, icky, nasty, gross weather. I want it to go away. Now, the the weather Friday mm-hmm. for the final four at Target Center is not going to be bad. Uh, now, now for some people from out of town, and and you look at this bracket, and it's kind of like, um, all right, folks from Louisville, it's going to be a little chilly. People in town uh, from from Louisville or South Carolina, game one of the final four tomorrow mm-hmm. night at six at Target Center. That's a little chilly. A Yukon, that that's good. You know, uh, folks coming in uh, from uh, the Connecticut area. We, 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 chill, we chilling with starter jackets if you're Yukon. Not bad. Stanford. Mm-hmm. Now you would think California, oh, they're going to be complaining. The Bay Area can be chilly. Uh, yeah, that's that's NorCal. I mean, yeah, Northern California can be chilly, so mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to complain much. Folks from Louisville and South Carolina in town probably not all that thrilled with the weather, 
But uh, well, I've been thinking Louisville. I, I think in Louisville, like they get sleet and they get you know cold rain and stuff. But yeah, but I, I mean, not this late in the year. Yeah, I mean, we can look at the weather map. They're, they're probably not dealing with this stuff right now. As but long as the they don't, as, Friday, long, as long as they don't complain about it like people did with the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm hey, going to be I'm going to be fine. Super Bowl was cold. Even by even by our standards. born in the upper Midwest, <laughs> born in Southern Canada standards, I, I, I've told this story talking about big events coming to town, and and you remember it well. Um, what what the weather was like for the Super Bowl? It was the bold North, Steve. It was the bold um, North. So so I was on the air Super Bowl Sunday until late in the afternoon, and then I was allowed by management. To leave the building and walk over to the checkpoint where the media got into U.S. Bank Stadium for the Super Bowl. I'd never been to a Super Bowl. It was in town. By golly, I was going to go. Sure. And, you know, there's a couple of different checkpoints along the way, and there was a ton of security. That was a cold walk. And, and I have the gear as, you know, born and raised Ooh. in these parts. Oh, you brought the and gear? And I was cold. And I was cold. I, I had the hood up, and by the time I got in to the media checkpoint to get cleared, and then I ultimately walked out of there, and then made the short walk to the east entrance of U.S. Bank Stadium. That's where the media had to go in. Um, it was cold. It was really cold. And then after the game, I walked out of there with Eric and headed back to the mm-hmm. studios at second and seventh. That was a cold walk. I mean, no joke. And the people from Philly were, were kind of, I mean, that that was a very cold Super Bowl. So we're not going to be dealing with that for the Final Four. But you know what? I'm excited. And you got four great teams. Yeah. And the marquee attraction, Paige Backers. And we're going to visit with Paige's coach in high school, uh, Ryan Cosgriff, uh, coming up an hour from now, his coach at Hopkins. And... He's a great guy, still coaching an assistant coach at Providence Academy who just won the 2A girls title, so uh, he is still coaching, teaching at Providence now. So so we'll visit with Brian uh, about Paige in high school and her great career there before she went on to play for Gino Oriyama in UConn. But I think we all remember, as as fans of hers, because she she was such a terrific player all the way through high school. Everybody knew about Paige. You followed high school hoops, boys or girls, you knew mm-hmm. about Paige Backers. And everybody in the com- country has become familiar with her. But when she went down with the injury, it was like, a, oh, the opportunity to see her play at Target Center in the Final Four, this may not happen. But the fact that she was able to come back and play the way she did in that regional final Against North Carolina State, oh. a phenomenal team. Her second half in overtime was historic. I mean, because didn't she have like three points early, like three points at the half, and like it was yeah. just like something in her flipped in that second half. And it, it was just it it was the big moment, and um, just absolutely took over the game. Now, give her credit; she was a big part of what transpired because she handles the ball. She she's the point guard. She she gets things rolling. She brings it up the floor. Um, she she starts the offense more times than not for UConn. But that was an unbelievable performance. So now, not only do we have this great event, 
and an event that keeps getting bigger and bigger on the sports landscape every year, the, the women's Final Four. And it's here in Minneapolis. But we also have that hook as well. Uh, one of the great players to ever come out of the state of Minnesota. I mean, there, there's no question you, you can already put her in, in the category of one of the all-time great players to come out of the state of Minnesota. And, and I don't think that's going too far. I, I don't think that is an over-exaggeration of... I, 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 I will say, though, Steve, that when people... I, I agree that you can say it now, but I feel like two years ago before she even played one minute of college, like I, I heard this anointing Paige Beckers as one of the best of all time. And, and to me, I had to slow it down a little bit at that point because the, the, the potential was there. There's no question. There's been some great talent that's come out of the state. Uh, for I, sure. I, I felt like it was a little premature at that point, but I think now you could make the case after she was named the player of the year as a freshman last year and just the impact that she's had. And, and I mean – She's going to go down as one of the best all time at UConn. Think about that. Think about that story program. That she's going to go down as one of the best all time in the history of UConn women's basketball. That's a, I mean, that is a marquee program of all programs. When you consider someone of the likes of Maya Moore, who played at UConn as well, that is Diana Taurasi. Yeah, I, I think it was fair when when the girls' state tournament her senior year was canceled due to COVID nineteen. She didn't get a chance. I'm not saying. Hopkins would have won the 4A title, but there was a pretty good chance. You wanted her to get that opportunity. The 4A. She didn't get that. But I think when she graduated from high school, it was easy to say that she she was one of the greatest high school basketball players of all time. She is a high school basketball legend in this state. And that's not a stretch because her her high school days are over. You can judge her body of work. There's no doubt Paige Backer is is one of the great high school players, boys or girls, ever to come out of the state of Minnesota. There's absolutely no doubt in that. And for so a high school legend now goes off to college at UConn. You can't blame her at all for wanting to play for Gino Oriyama and UConn, 14 consecutive Final Fours. And then the injury, and it's kind of like, we're not going to get a chance to see Paige play a target center in the Final Four. And then for her to put on a performance, uh, one of great regional final performances of all time, to get her team to her hometown in Minneapolis. And I, I paraphrasing here, her post-game comments and the post-game interview was just great. That's you know, awesome. win or go home. Yeah. And then to say, hey... We won, and I get to go home. I mean, it's just how awesome is that? That, that is that is really cool, and and I mean, it still would have when you see. I mean, when when you find out the women's final four is here, and Paige Beckers is going to UConn. I mean, everybody is is making that connection. Like everybody is is putting the cart before the horse, and and there was a collective like, oh no, it's it's not going to happen. Like this is a movie, right? I mean, this is the hometown girl. You know, comes home and you know, raise you know, wins a championship potentially, and you know, and and it's a feel good story. I mean, how many athletes get the opportunity that is in front of her to play on this stage with the caliber of of teams that she's going to play against? 
and win a national championship in front of friends and family, literally in front of friends and family. I mean, th- this just does not happen to well, very many athletes. And it's happening, it, it's happening here. It's happening in Minneapolis. Yeah. So you got Louisville, South Carolina in the opener, UConn and Stanford mm-hmm. in the night cap tomorrow night at Target Center. And for UConn, talk about a home floor advantage. UConn, I, I don't know exactly how many miles it is from stores to downtown Minneapolis, mm-hmm. but, but the simple fact of the matter is, what an unusual circumstance. I, I, I can hardly wait to hear when UConn comes on the floor and what that atmosphere is going to be like. Now, now granted, it's a Final Four, so there's going to be people mm-hmm. from all over the country, yeah. and you know it, it's the, the annual convention of women's basketball, and I get all of that. But it is still going to be a gigantic home floor advantage for UConn, and I can hardly wait to see it. 1,325 uh, miles. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that, that, that's a long drive. I 20, mean, that, 20 hours and 19 minutes, but I assume that's So to be that limit. far away and have that amazing uh, home floor advantage, and, and there's no doubt they're going to have, but there's no guarantee. Stanford's phenomenal. Yeah, I, yeah, any one of these teams can win the title, and that's what makes this Final Four so great as well. I and I think we all watch sports for the same reason, and that's ultimately to be entertained. And I think we're going to be entertained Friday night. Four, four top, yeah, four it. top quality teams. Yeah, four, it, four marquee women's programs. If you're a women's basketball fan or a sports fan, this is this is what you want. I mean, you've got the cream of the crop with. For, I mean, you, you couldn't have better representation. Three ones and a two. I mean, that's what you've got. Yeah, it, it is good stuff. We'll get into uh, more of the women's final four and talk to uh, Paige's uh, high school head coach following the news and weather at A. Brian Cosgrove is going to join us. Uh, Doe Young Park a little bit later on in the hour. But by rule, we've got to talk something about the Vikings. Uh, we just absolutely positively have to. Patrick Peterson is signed, sealed, and delivered. And it's pretty clear now, at the end of March, that uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, had absolutely no intention of rebuilding or retooling or any of that. Uh, They kept Kirk, and uh, they are doing everything they can to win now. An ownership decision, I'm not sure it's the right decision. We'll we'll find out. Uh, we'll, We'll certainly know by... Uh, December, maybe maybe even by Thanksgiving if it was the right decision. We'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Another veteran back in the fold with the Minnesota Vikings, cornerback Patrick Peterson. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a hometown discount because he's this isn't his hometown, but wanted to come back, feels like it's a good opportunity. And uh, he will be back with the Minnesota Vikings. And it, I, I think there was a lot of thought, well, are they going to hang on to Kirk Cousins? Well, it's crystal clear Kirk Cousins is their guy. Uh, that, that's old news. But what we have seen is, is through the new general manager and new head coach, just exactly what the owner's thoughts were. They had absolutely no intention or no interest whatsoever in a rebuild or a tear down or let's take a step back with the idea that we're going to set the stage to get a quarterback of the future they want no 
part of that. And they're going all in because they feel like there's still an opportunity in the division. And I suppose you can look at Green Bay and they have Aaron Rodgers and uh, are they they're going to be able to put enough pieces around Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Green Bay has been a very good regular season team. Generally not a good playoff team in the Aaron Rodgers. He does have a ring. I'm not, I'm not going to discount that. I, I don't want any emails or texts or how many Super Bowls to the Vikings. I, you better I'm discount, a- double-check those facts there, Steve. Yeah. So my point is, but as of late, they've, they've been a good regular season team and a disappointment in the playoffs. And I think that's fair. The Minnesota Vikings, they haven't been to the playoffs, and, and they've been a disappointment as well. But I find it very interesting that all signs now to point, and there's been some things written about this, so you know it's, it's far from an original thought, but it's one I definitely buy into, Chris Tubbs, is that they are convinced the problem wasn't so much Rick Spielman, but it was Mike Zimmer and the coaches around him, and they felt like if we bring in a fresh approach, a 21st century approach to coaching football, that... We're going to maximize this great talent we have here. I'm not so sure about that, but the billionaire owners, the Wilfs, are, and we'll see how it plays out. I, I am, once again, don't need to do a deep dive on Kirk Cousins. Not yeah. completely sold. I think they have some good parts. I just don't think they have enough good parts, even with the signings they've made. This is the concern for me. That once you saw that the new GM did not have the ability to reshape the roster, and we all know that that roster needs reshaping, and by and by reshaping, I mean you got to pretty much just clean house and and you know build from the studs up again. But to me, the more that I hear and the more that I see, and maybe you know some people won't say, well, yeah, the, the Wilfs, their hands off. You know, to me, it just seems like they got their hands in the cookie jar a little too much. And if you're going to get to that point, you're going to end up being like Jerry Jones, who gets a little overly involved, and then you won't let the football people really do what they need to do to make those decisions. And I feel like the the water is going to be muddied because you're going to have too many people that are really wanting to get in. in I'm just frustrated that the Wilfs are getting their hands too involved, I guess is, is what I'm saying in personnel. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's the way it looks that, that's, at this Yeah, that, that's the impression that it, maybe, it's, maybe yep. that's not it, but that's the impression that I get is that the Wilfs will not allow it to be a complete rebuild. With, with Fans are okay with that, Steve. I mean, you and I have talked. Fans are okay with a rebuild if they know that the, the, the team is going to be constructed in a way that you can look long-term, not year-to-year. Now, now they have brought in some new people, but for the most part, a large percentage of the – this is going to be Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer's team that takes the field this fall. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, they, they, they brought in, you know, a couple of guys from Green Bay, and they're going to do this and that and some tweaks. But generally, this is Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer's team that's going to take the field in the fall. Yeah, We'll yeah, see if it yeah. works out. Now, one final point, and real quick point. Yes. When, when Derek Falvey and Thad Levine took over the Twins, remember what Twins ownership – Paul Molitor's our guy for now. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe the deal is we want to stick with this group for one more year, see how it plays out, and if it goes badly again, then you can do what you we want. You could say, yeah this, maybe this, that- yeah, this is what I wanted to do. We tried it your way. Now let's do it mine. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I'm Once again, it's like with the Twins pitching situation. We'll see. Uh, 731. Quick break. We'll have an update on the weather. Joe Young Park will join us. Speaking of the Twins, talk about uh, the opening day starter, Joe Ryan. Chris Archer makes his uh, first appearance as a twin tomorrow. All of that and more here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Spring training winding down. Opening day at Target Field one week from today. We've learned Joe Ryan will get the start. And Joe Young Park who covers the Twins for MLB. Dot com joins us. Joe, good to visit with you. Steve, it's been a while. How you been? Yeah, good, good. How's Florida? Uh, it's uh, warm and humid, and uh, it's been, I've been down here since the start of minor league camp, so I'm uh, pretty excited that opening day is coming up and ready to head back home to the good old Midwest. Well, and what's crazy, it's been an abbreviated spring training, but it, it is a long haul when pitchers and catchers traditionally uh, report in, in February, and uh, yeah, I, I think by the time a regular spring training is over, everybody's ready to get out of there and head north. No kidding, and there's just so much excitement for this regular season, right? With uh, Carlos Correa obviously in town, all the changes that have come to the team over the last really three weeks or so, and uh, even something like Joe Ryan being named opening day starter today, like you just mentioned. A lot of things to be excited about come the regular season, and I personally am just excited to watch it all play out. Yeah. Um, it, it really has been a, a whirlwind, and we knew it would be coming out of the lockout uh, for every club, particularly the Twins that had a lot of needs. And the, the, the thought is, when it comes to the starting pitching, that, that they're not done yet. And, and this could be a work in progress even into the regular season, all the way up to the trade deadline midsummer. Yeah, there's that thought, and I think um, the – way that they did complete their starting rotation for opening day, signing Chris Archer. There's also there with Archer. A lot of risk. And at the same time, I don't think um, I, I, I don't think this is how they envisioned their kind of quest for finishing out the rotation ultimately settling, right? I mean, like I said, there's Archer's a great dude. He's got upside coming up. Um, he's familiar with the organization, the organization. There's a lot of people in the, from the Tampa organization now with the twins that know him. But I think, like you mentioned, when you trade for Sonny Gray, when you add a Carlos Correa, um, I think everybody, and I think every, this goes into the clubhouse too, was waiting for, okay, what's the next big pitching shoe to drop? Because I think there was that kind of expectation that was coming. But with um, kind of the post-lockout state of the baseball ecosystem, what ended up happening was all the free agents had already kind of big-name free agents had already gone before the lockout began. So what ends up happening is you got a couple teams that have the starting pitchers and the Twins have definitely been in contact with the Oakland A's, but when it comes to a trade, it takes two to tango, and I think um, the indications so far have definitely been that the A's have not been as engaged on the trade front as I think a lot of teams expected for those two guys, Frankie Montes and Sean Manaya, especially um, with regards to Montes, who's been drawing a lot more interest around the league. And uh, when that didn't materialize, um, and the Twins certainly made no secret of their desire for, uh, for Montes in particular and Manaya as well, um, they just kind of had to, you know, you got to add somebody um, as far as the pitching rotation goes. And Archer was stretched out. He was ready to go. The Twins had been in contact with his people. 
um, had understood that he was ready to step into the starting rotation right away, and that's where it's at right now. And like you said, it might still be incomplete. You never know what's going on. Um, you never know when these teams that have these trade assets will choose to unleash them, maybe when injuries come about or at the trade deadline or whatnot. But it's definitely going to be a lot more fluid, I think, in the early part of the season than uh, what we've come to expect over the last few years, that's for sure. Young Park joins us. He covers the Twins for MLB.com, and he's on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline tonight here on Sports to the Max. Uh, back to the opening day starter and Joe Ryan. Uh, what an honor for the youngster to, to get the nod. Uh, take us through maybe the why him over others that were available to start opening day. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is that Joe Ryan has, I mean, it's obviously a small sample size, but he's been fantastic in his time with the Twins. Only five big league starts to his name, obviously, but he has been, he was borderline unhittable in four of those five, really. I mean, I remember back to that second big league start ever um, that day in Cleveland. That was there when he took a perfect game into the seventh inning. And again, his second big league start. That's part of it. Um, another part of it, too, is um, especially with the short and spring training, there's a lot of like ramp-up and workload considerations on the starting staff. And especially coming into this camp, it was the two young guys in the rotation, Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, that really, came, I think, came in um, with the best, I guess with the loosest arms and ready to ramp up in that way. And I think the other major candidate that would have been in play for the starting nod, and I think um, he was kind of the presumptive opening day starter in a lot of our eyes, Sonny Gray, when the Twins acquired him from the Reds in that trade. Um, he's actually been tracking a little behind the rest of the starters. Um, we actually even haven't seen him, haven't even seen him in a big league spring game yet because the one time he's pitched has been in a minor league game. And so I think um, a combination of those kinds of things just kind of made it make um, and obviously having pitched well um, in his entire duration of major league major league career with the Twins, I think it all lined up. And um, he's certainly not a guy that's going to shy away from the spotlight or, for, or from something like that. Very cool, very collected, um, ice in his veins. I know that's kind of a trite saying, but uh, definitely does apply to him. And when you look at the Twins' everyday lineup, um... I think it was easy to project after Correa signed what what the lineup would would look like day in and day out, and the flexibility that Rocco Baldelli has. I I, I would think right now the the club has to feel very good about that 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 batting order day in day out at the moment. Yeah, I mean you added the star power with Correa to kind of sure. replace the production in a way of Nelson Cruz. Uh, but it's even beyond that, where you've swapped out a couple key pieces, but you've got two guys with playoff experience and Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela in the fold now. And uh, even more than that, you look at the lineup right now, there's no real spot for Luis Arise to play every day. Um, that says something about where the lineup is at. Um, they sent down Jose Miranda and Trevor Larnick. Miranda, obviously, I don't know what more he has to show in the minor leagues. He's the defending Twins minor league player of the year. Astonishing breakout last year. Um, and Larnick, uh, obviously, we saw a taste of him um, hot and then cold in the big leagues last year and had a great spring. Um, he was sent down to those two guys will be starting on a lot of big league clubs. And the fact that um, those guys are, there's just no spot on the roster for them right now speaks a lot to not just the talent, but also the depth of the lineup. And as we've seen plenty of times before, including when uh, the Twins were on their seventh center fielder at some point last year, uh, depth is really what 
wins championships as much as star power does. And the Twins seem to have that in spades, at least on the offensive side right now. Yeah, Correa Buxton uh, in the middle of the lineup could be uh, pretty impressive. Uh, but one, one player that stands out to me is Miguel Sano and what he brings to the table in the 2022 season is he he's been at times like wow this guy the the just ridiculous power and then at other times it's just an absolute strikeout machine and a lot of disappointing at bats and uh, my my sense is really a make or break year for Miguel Sano at this point it's a make or break year but at the same time I think it's a make or break year for him personally not so much from the twin standpoint as far as it comes to Miguel because this is his walk year this is his um this is his potential free agency walk year. And so regardless of what happens, you know, if there's, if something disappointing does happen with this season, we, know, we do know, like you said, how streaky Miguel can be. You know, there's yes. periods where he's scorching hot. There's periods where he's ice cold. And I don't even think the Twins really know why those come and go. You just kind of ride the waves as they come and go. Um, but at the same time, I think we saw it last year, too, where – and you see – you know there's urgency this year because they got Carlos Correa maybe for just a year. Um, where they weren't afraid to say, hey, you're struggling right now. Alex Kirilov is a consistent hitter, fantastic glove at first base. We're not afraid to turn to him until you're right. Um, I don't think they would ever really cut ties with Sano altogether, but they've shown last year, you know, they're willing to make that adjustment for a guy that's been around as long as Sano has because you have an Alex Kirilov who can step in at first base, because you have somebody like Trevor Larnick who can come up and uh, put up big numbers um, and, and, obviously has all the talent in the world, and especially because of the urgency with a guy like Sonny Gray, with a guy like Carlos Correa. And um, because Rocco's shown that, I think um, there's pr- probably going to be flexibility and adaptation as things go on, um, as, uh, as we, again, saw for a period last year. One, one thing that did pan out in 2021, and there weren't many of those for the Twins in a disappointing year, was Jorge Polanco at second base, and uh, he, 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 he settled in there. And now with uh, Correa to his right, uh, that that has to be a, a pretty good feeling for Polanco and a good situation to be in. Yeah, I was just looking at this. He's had five different double. Correa will be his fifth different double play partner in five years. Wow. Um, and uh, I think it, it goes back to Brian Dozier and Brian Dozier in like 2018. And then there was uh, like Jonathan Scope in there, Anderson Simmons a couple of years ago. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. But it hasn't been consistent, and the one thing that's been consistent now for Jorge Polanco is that he'll be at second base for uh, for another year, and that's a place where he's grown comfortable. Um, it's a place where the injury risk is uh, a lot less. The stress on his body is a lot less. It helps him perform at his potential. And when you work with a guy like Correa, we talked with Polanco in the aftermath. He's thrilled, and he's already saying, you know, Polanco came in, or excuse me, Correa came in preaching, we're going to do everything with championship mentality, we're going to see perfection and everything like that. And Polanco's saying, you know, listen, like in the room, when we're out on the field, just even doing infield drills, everything just feels so much more intense than before. And Polanco's been through, you know, a couple winning seasons with this team, but he's been around here for a long time. I think he's the longest tenured twin, and I'm sure he wants to see some winning too. And Carlos Correa coming in, he's a proven winner. He's a proven playoff winner. And I think um, he's feeding off the energy from that for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's still a crazy moment. I remember when I heard it, and I'm like, come on. This is the onion, right? This this didn't really happen. And then I, I start seeing uh, credible sources like yourself 
lay the news out, I'm like, wow, this is a real deal. And I, I still think some of the Twins fans that I talk to are still kind of, uh, it's like, wow. Forget Twins fans, me too. I mean, I've been watching this dude play every spring game. I looked down at this dude with Correa on his back, like waving a waving a bat in the bat in the on deck circle, and I'm like, "What is this?" this I, I still have like a "What is going on?" moment every now and then, like looking yeah. down at him in a Twins uniform. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, one one other item I want to bring up, get your thoughts. One week from opening day, the makeup of the bullpen and where that sits at the moment, because obviously that that's a huge part of this. Very unorthodox situation in the bullpen. Very, very unorthodox situation. And I think that's the final big piece of the puzzle here because um, the roster's mostly sorted out. It's the fourth outfield and the bullpen, a large chunk of the bullpen. That's kind of the question here because the first factor that comes into play, there's the 28-man roster officially announced today through May 1st. Um, every team is going to just load up on pitchers because of that, especially because the short and spring guys aren't stretched out yet. And what ends up happening there, and Rocco's kind of talked us through this, uh, the Twins will either take 15 or 16 pitchers. I don't see any world where they take any fewer than that. Um, five of those are starters. Five of those are your back-end bullpen guys. That's Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Jorge Alcala, Kill Steelbar, and Joe Smith. And then the other five or six guys, Rocco's saying, we want all of those guys to be able to give us two or three innings if needed. Just because in the early part of the season, starters are only going to be going three to three, four innings because uh, they're not fully stretched out. So you just have innings that need to be eaten. So there's guys like Devin Smeltzer, who we've seen before, Danny Kulomp, who we've seen before, uh, Griffin Jackson in the bullpen now. But the two kind of big fascinating cases there are Joan Duran and Josh Weiner, who are two of the top pitching prospects in the entire organization. Duran throws 101 with the crazy pitch called a splinker. It's like a splitter-sinker hybrid that nobody can touch. Uh, he was starting for his entire minor league career this spring. The Twins are like, he's probably going to be in the bullpen, and he's been ridiculous out of the bullpen. And Josh Winder uh, really came up over the last couple years, but he's also really he, – he's been starting throughout the spring, but Rocco has now said, you know, we're really open to, you know, using him for two to three innings out of the bullpen if we need to. So I think those are two big, exciting arms that are going to be a huge part of the Twins' future to watch as soon as opening day maybe. Yeah. Well, here it is, a week away. No good to visit with you. Take care. Your safe travels back to the cities. Appreciate it, Steve. Talk to you soon. All right, there he is, Joe Young Park. Once again, uh, Twins beat writer for MLB.com. How about that? 15 or 16 pitchers coming north. 749, 11 minutes now in front of 8 o'clock. Sports to the max rolls along. We'll take a look at the scoreboard in a moment. Tim. Timberwolves idle tonight. They're at Denver tomorrow night. Pre-game 7.30, tip after 8 o'clock. What's the deal with D'Lo? Maybe he'll get it going tomorrow night at the Mile High City. And uh, Timberwolves look like they're going to be the seventh seed. Mathematically not eliminated, but let's call them the seven at this moment. Speaking of the NBA, Chris Tubbs has some scores. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into it, Steve. And... Uh... Let's go ahead and start with the association. Not a real busy night, but uh, game's currently in progress with uh, about nine and a half left to go in the fourth quarter. The Sixers up on the Pistons, 81-75. Joel Embiid right now with a double-double, 33 points and 15 boards. The uh, New Jersey Nets, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets up on the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I, I swear, it's a, it's a, it's a Freudian slip. 
uh, 73-69. Uh, Giannis, 26 points in that game for the Bucks as they trail by four with about six and a half left to go in the third quarter. Uh, second half underway in Atlanta, and the Hawks, they've got 18 from Trey Young right now. He is out-dueling Darius Garland. Hawks up on the Cavaliers, 73-53. Um, a, uh, a team that the Wolves might have to become familiar with, uh, Paul George and the L.A. Clippers right now up on the Chicago Bulls, 47-35. About four minutes left to go in the second quarter there. And uh, later on tonight, it is the L.A. Lakers in the Utah Jazz. Yeah, the, the, we... the, La- the Lakers are in, I think they are in a real possibility where they could miss the play-in. They could miss the, the tournament altogether. They're terrible. They, 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 that that whole experiment has just failed terribly. Yeah, well, they, they, they this did year. win, and, I, and yeah. I don't hate LeBron. I don't. I, I, I think LeBron James, obviously one of the greatest players of all time. I like LeBron James. It, it's not hating on LeBron. That team is horrible. The the construction, the whole, and and once again, you know, Anthony Davis has been banged. Yeah, they get. Yeah, they got old quick. They want to. A bubble championship, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, that just, uh, that just isn't a thing. No. Uh, we got about a minute left here, Steve, so we'll go ahead and tell you. First intermission, the Wild and the Penguins tied at one. Uh, Cam Talbot got scored on in a little over a minute there. Bruins up on the Devils, 7-1, to one, five goals by Boston in the uh, second period. Um, the uh, Maple Leafs up on the Jets, 5-3. Panthers shutting out the Blackhawks as they're starting the third period there. Uh, Blue Jackets, Islanders tied at two. Hurricanes shutting out the Canadians three to nothing. Sharks, Avs, Kings, Flames, Stars, Ducks all later tonight. Are you surprised they didn't have Marc-Andre Fleury start against Penguins tonight? I am a little bit. I I am, but at the same time, I mean, you you stay with with your rotation. I get it, but it would have been a good story. Yeah, and maybe they just said, eh. Hey, it's about effing winning, go. Steve. It's about effing winning. <laughs> yeah, isn't it, though? Uh, quick break. We'll have the news. And then uh, Paige Backer's high school coach, Brian Cosgrove, coming up. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.